Welcome back to On The Table Gaming. On this episode, we will be looking at Visions in the Flames number nine, and specifically we're gonna be looking at the Baratheon's big reveal of their some of their tactics cards and commander cards. And of course, we are joined by the Song of Ice and Fire game designer, Michael Chanel. Michael, thanks so much for coming to the podcast. Chase, as always, it is a pleasure to be here and hear the dulcet tones of your voice. They bring me a soothing joy. <laughs> oh, I see how it is. Okay. Now, we got to be careful on this episode because I know House Baratheons are fan favorites, often requested faction when the game was first starting out. And we did do a, a live stream at one point where you shared uh, some of your views on some of the Baratheons, like uh, Stannis Baratheon. So we'll, we'll tread carefully around his legacy there. Are you talking about the fact that I very distinctly said that I don't understand why Stannis Baratheon is a fan favorite character? That may be it. That may be it. It was a little I bit think, longer in the live interview. We'll, we'll link to that. I'm afraid to go into it here. Listen, but. if you're not willing to stand by your convictions, then what's the point of even having them? So I, okay, in the time since we started the game and I have seen the Baratheon fan base like and experienced them, I understand where they're coming from. I personally uh, am going like, okay, I... I get it that you like Stannis. For myself personally, I I, I don't get to the degree. The like, you know, that's fine though. Everyone has different tastes. The only people who are straight wrong is if anyone ever said they were a fan of like Catelyn Stark. Then I would just fervently disagree with that person because I've got some views on Catelyn. We'll but, see what happens with the, uh, the the upcoming books. Maybe there'll be some cool like Lady Stoneheart stuff. I don't know. I could oh, see no, maybe those are not the same character chase. Uh, Lady Stoneheart. Okay. Lady Stoneheart is an interesting dynamic character. Catelyn Stark made most of the problems that happened for the Starks. That's true. That's true. She drives the plot forward. But before we digress too much here, so uh, <laughs> did it surprise you at all when Baratheons won the the poll? Uh, you know, uh, it did until I saw the results and then my brain went, oh, of course they won. Because I was expecting people to go like, oh, let's see what Starks are doing or Targaryens. And then seeing Baratheons at the top there, like I was like, oh, that's so, uh, okay, well, that's not surprising. Because then all of a sudden all the memories came flooding back of just whenever we were initially releasing factions and people just constantly <laughs> asking, like, when is Baratheons coming? When is Baratheons coming? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot those guys are kind of fanatical uh, when it comes to that faction. <laughs> yes, the Baratheons have their loyal faithful here. They are fanatics. So it all, it all fits into the theme here. Like I remember originally, like we thought the Night's Watch guys were very like loyal and dedicated. And then they were just blown away by the sheer volume of Baratheon loyalists that just came out of the woodworks over the course of the game's lifespan. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. So Baratheon. So we get to see some really interesting cards here. And Baratheons were in a, an interesting place when they first came out. And so I, I'd love to get into a little bit of how you see the 2021 update kind of changing maybe the direction the faction is in or kind of solidifying it more. Uh, one of the things that often came up in the the uh, the old version was that a lot of the tactics cards shared similar triggers, right? There was a lot of when a friendly engaged combat unit activates or uh, what was the other one? It's, you know, after a friendly unit is attacked. We're seeing this a little bit more spread out here. So let's let's talk maybe starting off with the broader. What do you think, you know, if you're if you're a Baratheon fan listening right now, how are you? What's the, what do they got to look forward in the 2021 update? And then let's talk about these tactics cards and and how those might have changed. One of the the big things about Baratheons is that they're still one of the two newest factions out in the game. You know, them and Targaryens, because the Greyjoys aren't out at the time of the uh, recording of this, uh, even though we've shown a lot of them. But they're still a very young faction, and it, that makes them a little tricky to talk about because they still have so many units on the horizon that you know we have we've discussed, but we haven't really shown anything about, such as like the Kingsmen 
the Railor Lightbringers. You know, we've shown some of those before. We haven't even talked about a lot of the Rinley stuff uh, because, again, the Stannis guys are so fanatical. Uh, <laughs> but they're still a relatively new faction. And that's actually why when it came to putting together this article and the topics that we were talking about, it became a little tricky because Baratheons, by their nature, have that loyalty mechanic. So you're talking about two sub-factions in one. And a lot of those units are ones that are coming out in the next few months, uh, but haven't been discussed yet. So it made talking about them a little tricky. So for this article, we decided to focus more on the tactics cards and then your two uh, starter box commanders in your uh, original Renly and your original Stannis. But getting back to your question about the tactics cards, the Baratheons here are a good example of um, some of... So when it came to the tactics cards, you know, we were evaluating them just like every other element of the game, and some factions had their decks modified more than others. The Baratheons, I would have to say, probably them tied with Targaryens, but even Targaryens are kind of a far second, probably had more modifications and shifting in their baseline tactics than any other faction. And a lot of that was because of the original idea that they had a lot of powerful effects, but they had a lot of overlapping triggers. And the issue is that with the direction that we wanted to take the game in the 2021 update, uh, Baratheons were getting a lot of the things that we were actively removing from tactics cards, or at least lessening to degrees, which were free attacks, free actions. Even if they were conditional or had some kind of drawback with them, they were still the type of thing that we were actively removing from tactics cards and making a bit more rare. So as a result, it just happened that uh, a lot of their cards uh, had modifications then, you know, sometimes they were entirely reworked or changed. In addition to that, uh, one of the uh, initial design ideas behind the Baratheon deck was that you had these powerful effects, but you had a lot of overlapping triggers. And, you know, while still that's a, that's an option for gameplay, we found a lot of players just, it created that negative play experience for them that they just, this, this didn't really come down to a balancing factor. It just kind of came down to like the whole feels bad, you know? People want to be able to play their tactics cards you can have a deck full of powerful effects, but if, only, if you're only able to use them every so often, then people don't view that as basically being as right. fun as being able to play triggers more often, even if they are less powerful. So it's kind of like instead of going uh, like, hey, I've got these two powerful effects I can choose from, the mentality is almost like, oh, I've got these two powerful effects and I don't get to use one. Exactly. So one of the things when we were reevaluating the Baratheon deck specifically is removing some of those overlapping triggers and giving them some more options for playing things, which in turn tone down some of their cards, which you see in general across most of the factions anyway. But so, again, they required a little bit more just retweaking than some of the other factions did. Uh, that makes sense. And I think, you know, that's something that um, some Baratheon players had a, maybe a, a hard time adapting to initially, right? That was something that you, maybe, like you mentioned, kind of created a, a little bit like a feels bad moment. Or maybe the you know the way that situation presents itself is open to an interpretation that isn't as positive, um, and so now with these new tactics cards, you kind of spread the love out, and it looks like you also maybe shuffled some names around or abilities around. Things like Oath of Duty are now appearing in the the base deck, which I believe previously was a Stannis card. It was in the original uh, the starter box uh, Stannis, the One True King, and this is just kind of one of those effects that happens, you know, as we're evaluating the entire faction and the entire game overall, it kind of creates those little ripples or snowballs where, you know, okay, you change A, which is going to have an effect on B, which is going to have an effect on C, which the change from C is now going to go back and change A in a completely different way. So, you know, talking about these things in a vacuum, it's hard because like, you know, you'll, you'll talk about like, okay, well, why did this baseline tactics card change? 
Well, it changed because we felt that this commander's card, when we were evaluating him, that card didn't really fit with him, but we still wanted to use the effect. So therefore it got moved over here. And yeah, it's just, there's an entire process that stacks on top of each other when all these things start coming together. Is there a base Baratheon Tactics card that you're particularly fond of in the 2021 update? I would actually have to say that ours is the Fury is probably like one of their most powerful cards, but that's because in the, the versatility that it brings. If we had to, hmm, that's a tricky question because again, the, the tactics cards, there shouldn't be one that is really like, yeah, this is the thing that really solidifies them as the faction because it's mm-hmm. the entire picture taken together. But I do like, for example, Ars of the Fury, I think the versatility you have there, that's pretty sweet, right? So now when a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before you roll the attack dice, now you get to choose one. And then for each zone you control among the crown or the letter zone, you get to choose an additional effect. So if you play your cards right, like you can actually get a ton of effects or in a pinch, you're still playing it and still getting like a plus one to hit or sundering or vicious. Like those are on their own, still very valuable in the right situation. So that's like a, a good like flex card. Right. So you're getting a, a good effect here, being able to choose one of the benefits. But if you properly set it up, you're getting even more benefits related to, you know, the bonuses of the card, which is how a lot of the tactics cards function. You know, you'll have a benefit that in many cases was toned down from its original version, but then you have your ancillary effects. So if you take time to set it up or get into a better scenario here, mainly controlling zones and things of that nature, then you get the additional effects of the cards. Yeah, and those are just another great moment. Like, so in really high-level play, it's probably going to be very unlikely that people are going to be able to get, you know, all three of those effects. But it could start being a way for like, people to start to differentiate their skill level as they're playing more frequently, getting better at defending or going for these positions. And I love how there's like little windows to be skillful uh, and more opportunities like that. I know I'm, I'm really a fan of that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was also one of the the elements is making sure that the faction identity and the core tenets of how that faction functions are still built into the core mechanics of the tactics cards. So with Baratheons, you know, they have, they're the retaliatory faction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do something to them, they're going to hit you back or they're going to do something in return to you. Uh, a lot of the old triggers were, you know, when you started engaged and they gave you some form of attack. And you had a couple other cards that would uh, trigger off of other kind of conditions. But we really want to expand that theme more of, you know, you do something does. We're going to hit you back in a similar way for you know doing that to us, but in a in a worse, you know, in a worse way. And the old deck had a lot of focus on just attacks. Here, we wanted to expand that concept out to do more things such as like putting condition tokens on units, causing panic tests. Um, you know, starting engaged with us and things like that. So let's maybe take a look at one of the two commanders here. Do you have a preference on who we start with, Stannis or Renly? Well, so this is also something as well. As much as I want to, you know, uh, talk about Stannis, you know, and the fact that like I, you know, his fan base <laughs> is really, really adamant. We need Fabio. Where's Fabio? He, he's the Baratheon defender here. We need to balance this out. Strangely enough, he was uh, dis. Uh, disposed before we actually managed to get in here. I see. It was very strange. Uh, randomly just, <laughs> random just, events happened. You just set his internet off and you're like, all right, now we can talk about Baratheon's unfettered. <laughs> but I, I will have to admit that of the two, like, you know, the kings that we're talking about, Rinley and Stannis, and I know some people are even getting offended the fact that we referred to Rinley as a king. I would, pre- <laughs> I prefer Stannis as a character. I prefer his uh, just kind of his background and you know play styles that he, that his side of the faction brings, and that's not even just saying because Ridley, because in the books, you know, he didn't really get a huge amount of like, uh, I guess, screen time, page time, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, before he got all shadow babied. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know, you have a lot of people that are you know 
fans of Renly and Highgarden in general. Uh, but for me, like the Melisandre, the Raylor like side of things with Stannis and the fact that, you know, yeah, he is kind of buying into this whole like fanaticism side of things. But even then, he's just too kind of pragmatic to really you know, fall into the whole faith thing. That's very interesting as the character goes. I actually like, I, I enjoy his dynamics as a character. It's when I say specifically my issues with him, it's more so just like his rabid fan base. That's, enough, that's where I'm just like, I, I get his it. Fanatical he's, following. I see how it is, you know, sure. sure. <laughs> and, and just to recap here, St- you know, Stannis Baratheon, this card art is actually, you know, very, a very handsome man. Who is the Stannis Baratheon again? This art. That is Mateo. That is, they are, are, um, are, uh, art director for uh, for Simon. Is it just it just happened to be that you know you have random people at your office that fit book descriptions? There's a, <laughs> sort of like a a chart you guys map up. You're like, hey, that guy looks exactly like this. Well, so uh, there was a bit of a, a mixed blessing there because we we wanted to put him in the game and he did carry a very similar description to uh, Stannis. Aside from the uh, the going bald part, that was one of the unfortunate like trade offs. Like Stannis is called out several times as being bald slash going bald. Mm-hmm. That's he was not. So yes, yes. So in time he'll age into this perfectly. If he, I guess if he wanted to shave his head, then he would be spot on. <laughs> but that's that's kind of like one of those little trade-offs, right? Fair enough, fair enough. But he's a he's a huge proponent of like of uh medieval history and things. And you know he you know he he is the expert in the company when it comes to like medieval heraldry and art design and things of that nature. Like he's the one that designed um the layouts and everything initially for the uh the song uh cards oh, that's and fantastic that includes, like the placement of the heraldry how it should be positioned like the fact that all the iconography on the heraldry is always tilted mm-hmm. when it comes to like doing full medieval stuff like all, all these these little micro things that like the common person's not going to know but he's like very meticulous about that's fantastic uh, and so stannis got a, a pretty big change here in that he has two orders now he loses his critical blow uh, his native ability, and he loses his unyielding, but picks up instead adaptive planning and order mark target. So how do these kind of capture the idea of Stannis as a character in the 2021 update? So as we mentioned before, one of the elements that we were doing is we took each commander, we went, okay, what does this guy do? Why is he cool? Why am I playing this play style? What is he bringing to the army? And we really want to push them to focus more in that direction. Stannis here, you know, his original cards had a strong condition token play. And so we wanted to lean more into that. We also wanted to get rid of some of the just general, like commanders should be powerful, but there should be abilities, uh, ways to counterplay across what they do. And mm-hmm. some effects that, you know, Stannis previously had were just like, okay, here's a freebie that you can get, which is fine. But we like seeing more tactical decisions. So before, yes, he just gave the unit straight up critical blow. And it was just a buff you had here. You know, we've changed it around. So he, meshes better with his tactics cards while still giving benefits. But now, you know, they're not just so kind of like freely given out. I think that makes sense, too. Um, and I love the adaptive planning target at the start of any turn, target one unit in long range, replace one condition token on that unit with any other condition token. That's such a great ability to have. And it feels like very Stannis Baratheon, right? He can like adapt to any circumstance and, and make the situation be, you know, what he wants. He's that of a confident of a leader he can read the battlefield that well it really captures the theme right and you know when looking at him you know he is one of the uh you know the tactical masterminds you know behind uh the war of the five kings like he can he's pragmatic he is 
I'm not going to say ruthless. Pragmatic is the better way to go there. But he is, you know, one of the thinkers. You know, he's not going to Gregor Clegane down the battlefield and just start smashing <laughs> stuff. He's, right. He's efficient. He's uh, calculating. Right. And so you give someone critical blow. You know, that's that's a very offensive capable uh, effect. And you know, it does fit. Like you know, when you look at like, okay, he knows exactly how to you know and when to strike. But we really wanted to like push more some of the flavor aspects of it. And then again, tie in with just his overall tactics card. So adaptive planning to be able to switch out condition tokens on units, mark target where he's able to just throw down a vulnerable and then, you know, next round or sorry, next turn, he can switch out that token. These all play really well into the tactics cards that he is available uh, as well, because like you have harsh conditions, which is start of any turn, target one enemy unit, remove any number of condition tokens on unit. And for each token removed, they lose one ability until the end of the round. That is one of the rare like control cards that exists in the game here uh because as we talked about previously uh hard control is limited to very specific circumstances in commanders and factions so you know you're not going to have a situation where like you have a varus or a walder that you can just everyone has access to this so the fact that stannis here has an element of control to this degree you know that's a very unique thing to him and he's doing it through condition tokens so He's just all about the adaptability that these tokens are bringing uh, just naturally, but then also switching them out for various effects. Oh, that's fantastic. And so that was actually rotating in. He lost his old Oath of Duty. That became a generic tactics card, a little bit of a tweak. And now this Harsh Conditions, this is a, I think this is like a pretty big buff in a lot of ways. That's a fantastic card. It is, it is a very strong card. And I should be careful saying buff when we don't know the context of the rest of the changes, but this seems... In comparing apples and oranges, this orange seems cool and uh, very useful to have. It's a very nice orange. (laughs) (laughs) Or should they be peaches? We'll save that for the other. But anyhow. (laughs) I will take a moment, though, to mention uh, Oath of Duty specifically, though, because that's actually a very interesting card to bring up. Uh, Because one of the things that uh, was across most of the tactics cards, the topic of triggers. Uh, you can have very powerful effects, but if it's a situational trigger, then it would create issues where people would just either hold the card in their hand or they would just pitch it because it's like, well, I don't know when this is going to happen. So specifically, you'll see in some of these cards here that were the ones that previously were when a unit was destroyed, that was Mm -hmm. their trigger. Uh, Instead, you'll see like Oath of Duty here has a much more open trigger of start of any turn. This actually uh, equips onto a unit and it lingers on them until the condition is met of another friendly combat unit being destroyed. That's not always the case with these type of cards. Some of them are very specific, like when their trigger is, but they're usually much more powerful effects. But this one here and others like it, as you see, the trigger window is much more broad, but that's just for being able to play the card, getting it out of your hand, getting it on the battlefield. But then the actual trigger for it doing something useful is still that unit destroyed. You'll see that across a lot of those uh, similar uh, type of cards where you'll stick them on a unit, which means that now they can also be planned around by the opponent and yourself. And that effect will come into play when it becomes relevant. That's awesome. I, I like that that change there. Maybe let's take a look at uh, Renly Baratheon, the charismatic heir here. And he saw a bit of changes as well. So his boldness and courage got changed to include ranged attacks now. Each time this unit attacks, if it has full ranks, it gets an additional attack die. Otherwise, it's treated as having plus one rank for attack die. So um, now that's extending to different types of units, which is kind of an interesting shift here. So he can be leading in like a frontline position or maybe a more of a support role. Uh, he's still got Embolden. And then, of course, he's got his loyalty, Renly Baratheon. 
So how does this change? Uh, you know, wh- why this change? Why, why these switches here to Renly? Uh, so there's actually another important uh, change here with Embolden in the fact that it affects his own unit as well versus previous oh. Embolden, which only affected other friendly right. units in the range. Now, that change was actually done as kind of a streamlining thing because that was something that was often overlooked uh, where it only affected everyone else around and it was excluding this unit. That was not really a balanced thing. Like, yes, it makes this ability just by definition more powerful, but that was kind of a mixture of like, yeah, it makes the ability more powerful, but it's also a streamlined thing of like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's everyone else. Not, you know, now it's just straight up everyone. So that was really the change there. Um, equal parts kind of giving a small buff, but more leaning in the direction of this is just making it more streamlined, less less little micro stuff to remember. Now, the boldness and courage change, that was actually done... Um, the dice went down on that. And that's just because in general, you see a reduction of things that give bonus attack dice across the entire game. Like you'll notice most of the Baratheon cards you're looking at here, there's not a single generic card there that is actually just giving you additional attack dice. That is probably one of the rarest effects in the game. It's something that's going to be giving you just bonus dice. Most things are going to be giving you plus one to hit. They're going to be giving you a vulnerable. They're going to give you rerolls. They're going to let you attack with higher ranks. But very seldomly are you just going to straight up get a dice bonus. And that has to do with a lot of the mindset being uh, effects will help you make attacks more um, uh, increase your your overall just like reliability of your attacks, but not necessarily make them more powerful. So it can still be calculated, but there's less just extra damage potential there. Um, boldness and courage is one of the few effects that is out there still giving you bonus attack dice and you'll see that even then its primary effect is going to be just making you attack with one higher rank rather mm-hmm. than just giving you the bonus attack die that's just so you have something like the ability is not useless until you start taking damage now the shift to allow it to affect range attacks that was just kind of a, a general opening up of you know tactical abilities like, yes, we could have limited it to just like melee, but you can stick to the range if you want. It's just opening your tactical options on where you want to stick these guys. So all those Baratheon players that are Renly supporters that, you know, love their ranged options, like your Stormcrow archers or your Bastard girls. Yeah, I mean, you can stick Renly Baratheon and some uh, Bastards girls. I mean, the thing is there, you're putting them in a very squishy unit. Uh, boldness encourages, it's going to help you a little bit, but they already have a sustain on the most of their ranks. So not the best place to stick them. Stormcrow <laughs> archers, you're wasting the adaptive bit there. But there, there are some options that will be appearing for Rinley uh, in other places and things like that. But even then, I have, he's not really, just given the nature of a lot of his other cards, he's not really one that leans himself too well to ranged options. Other guys with boldness and courage, sure. Rinley, though, wants to kind of be in the thick of things. He's also one of those commanders that... You know, he is the charismatic heir. He's the one that, you know, uh, he wants to be the show star, the, the showstopper of the battlefield. Um, this is kind of a contrast of him and Jamie Lannister, who we actually spoke about. And I believe just the previous um, article and chat we had mm-hmm. where Jamie is all about me, me, me being on the battlefield. So is Rinley. But if you look at Jamie in contrast to uh, Rinley, Jamie is all about buffing his own unit making them stronger and making it like, how dare you come and attack me? Rinley, meanwhile, is not necessarily giving a buff to specifically his unit, but he is buffing everyone in his immediate area. So you have these two very similar kind of personalities, but the way they're impacting the army is, is different. Whereas Jamie is just this glory hound. Well, I guess so is Rinley, but Jamie is a glory hound in the fact that 
it's him and it's all about him and his unit. Whereas Rinley is, yeah, I'm awesome. Look at how much awesomer I'm making everyone else around. Right. Me. They're just kind of like acting as these little charisma parasites, you know, just become better because I'm here. And next time I'm getting my butt kicked and I've got condition tokens everywhere, I can drop a, a wealth and charisma and remove all condition tokens from each friendly combat unit versus the uh, old cap of three. If I'm ever in that position where I'm getting that buried in tokens, I'll be ready. Exactly. Uh, and so, and then also, you know, the other thing is similar to Jamie though, we do see one of those like double trigger cards. So on younger, bolder and far more comely, we've got the, uh, the regular ability. And then underneath, we also have starter friendly turn draw tactics card. So if it's not like applicable and you want to go for that secondary effect, you can drop it down. So we see that echo you're kind of talking about of being somewhat similar to Jamie. Right. And that kind of appears on the commander cards that are very specifically linked to that commander. Most of the cards will give some kind of buff for meeting conditions. Usually when they're a commander card, it's based on targeting that commander's unit. But the effect is not really ingrained with them necessarily being alive. You're just kind of getting a little bonus effect for it. But then you have cards like Younger, Boulder, and Far More Comely, where if he's dead, you're straight up like, this card does nothing. And so those cards tend to, uh, tended to get like a secondary effect of like, okay, if that happens, I can at least pitch this and draw a card. It's not just dead in my hand until the end of the round. Now, of course, you can sidestep this by running like a Jakin Hagar or something that can switch out, you know, from the previous dead people. But the point is, is that uh, usually a lot of those cards that were entirely dead, if the commander or a specific like, condition couldn't be met, they usually have some secondary effect that allows you to at least cycle them so they're not just eating up, you know, a uh, base in your hand. Well, these look like a fantastic commanders here. So now you're a Baratheon player. Maybe you've invested in one or the other side, you know, Renly or Stannis Loyalty, or maybe you're just, you know, having all the options. You got this 2021 update. We see these changes. You know, how, how do you think people are going to be feeling about this in general? Like, is there anything they should be concerned about? Or do you feel like, you know, the faction identities have stayed pretty uh, on track here? Well, the faction identities have all maintained the same. The thing that we have a, a big push for this update has always been to just take whatever makes that faction cool, the reason you should be playing that faction to begin with, uh, talking specifically from a playstyle perspective, not like a character perspective. Because mm-hmm. uh, if, you know, if you're a fan of the character, you're going to play that faction regardless. But like, say I'm playing Baratheons because I really like that retribution-style mindset. You know, This is what I like playing. We wanted to make sure that you're rewarded for doing that exact thing in the faction. And then when it came to tactics cards specifically, opening up a lot of the triggers and abilities to play them so you can just kind of play more of them. But we also wanted to you know, make sure that the, uh, you know, what they contributed was kept in, kept in line. So, you know, lowering the amount of free actions that they just give out. Um, and I want to be very specific in that because this is something I've seen talked about a lot online. Is It's not this blanket statement of just removing free actions. It's removing the amount of them and also the conditions in which they can be played. So, like, if you claim a specific zone of the tactics board, like replacing that, you know, zone with another effect... That's not giving you just a free action. That's something that you are expending resources or something to do, you know, or like if a unit of yours is destroyed, getting an attack in or something. These are conditional things that are triggering. What we're removing or toning down a lot of is just things that would be, hey, play a card, get a free attack, or, you know, hey, play a card, get a free move action. You can still have effects that are like that, but they've either been toned down or, um, you know, reworked. So there's a few more like conditions to be met. That's gotcha. the general idea behind this, not so much just a blanket, you know, oh, well, you can't do anything, you know, you can't, you know, there's nothing that you're going to get that's cool for free or whatnot. It's just limiting them in scope. Tactics cards should be supplement to strategy, 
and tactics. They shouldn't just be, oh, I'm just going to play this powerful effect here and boom, you know, now deal with it. And that totally makes sense. I think, you know, uh, maybe sometimes the danger is when you guys talk about like your broader philosophy and approach, sometimes that gets taken from like philosophy to like ironclad doctrine. And, and uh, you know, you guys, I'm assuming you reserve the right to add free actions or things where you feel necessary. But the overall philosophy of the update was to reduce those or revisit those. Was that, is that a fair, uh, you know, analysis of it or? Well, it's one of those things like there's no limitations to anything we can or can't do, you know, when it comes to the game. Right. And I think once you added like another tactic zone with Bipri, that that became apparent. We're like, oh, <laughs> there's a lot of room here. Right. It's, it's people basically kind of taking, you know, what is said or shown and thinking that that is like a hard stone, like set in stone rule or gospel or, you know, whatever terminology you want to use there. But you know, everything is fluid, but even the rule of like, oh, hey, we're only going to like commanders have three tactics cards. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we, you know, we come out with Davos Seaworth and he's got four tactics cards. And now all of a sudden, the the rule that was very firmly established is now thrown into chaos or, you know, there are five tactic zones. Oh, except now there might be six. You know, it's it's a case by case thing. So when, you know, when we go like we want to limit the amount of free actions or you know, freebies that people have, you know, that's not a set in stone thing because you might have a faction that all of a sudden comes out that's like, guess what? These guys have a ton of free actions, but there's a drawback to that in some capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's just one of those things about people wanting to, you should understand that anytime we're talking about like broad uh, scope things, that's specifically in the context of the broad scope. When you start getting into specifics, that's when things start, you know, can shift and change and break those rules. Absolutely. I think one of the interesting things about Baratheons here is that what you've shown shows a lot of cool tweaks, but there's nothing here that's like, oh my gosh, like it's a total rework or like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. Like this all seems like pretty reasonable changes. A lot of times it's just like, some some number of changes like even with Stannis Baratheon like switching those to orders uh, you know losing sundering but being able to mark an enemy in line of sight and long range and they make them vulnerable you know it's kind of like sundering not sundering on a stick but like it gives you a way to crack armor or have that a somewhat compatible effect you know that seems very much kind of in line uh, so really it's cool just to see these these little tweaks here as we go forward one of the important aspects of the update was again tactical trade off you know, give and take the push and pull of the battlefield and the gameplay between you and your opponents. So one of the big elements that we were actively removing were hard no's. You know, no, you can't do this. And that was for both offensive and defensive purposes. Uh, a good example of offense would be like Walter Frey. You know, oh, you brought this cool thing to the table. I'm just going to say, no, shut it off. And okay, like you can't really do anything about that. Flip that on the other side. You had the old Stannis Baratheon with Unyielding, which was... You know, you can't gain condition tokens. Well, that's cutting off an entire element of the game that just has a hard no. And those type of things are the ones that we kind of either removed or toned down or limited in some capacity. Like, again, you'll see here with Stannis, with the ability, you can remove abilities. That is a rare effect. But even then, you're still having to set it up a bit where you're removing condition tokens. You're having to do something. It's not just I can play the card and show off your abilities. I'm having to at least do something. And then in other aspects, you'll have like Renly. Renly didn't receive a huge amount of changes here from what his cards did previously. Uh, you'll see they just kind of got toned down a little bit. Like they will make me king, you know, went from dealing two wounds or restoring two wounds to a single wound each. 
And that was just in part of the general like numbers reduction that you're seeing, uh, which we've talked about in length at this point. So we mm-hmm. won't get too much into that. But that just kind of plays more into that. You know, a bonus dice that got cut down in uh, efforts to you know reduce overall damage spikes that happen. Basically, most of the effects in the game and most of the tactics cards, most of the things you're seeing are were redesigned in the mindset of consistency rather than just boosting numbers. So going forward, then it seems as though you're setting a precedent where we'll be seeing weekly articles about factions revealing more and more as we get closer to the 2021 update. Is that correct? So we are going to start getting more in depth for each of the factions here. And there's not really a format that these articles really take as to what we're going to be showing and talking about. You know, when we talk about like free folk, we might show like some additional units this Sweet. time or maybe even like a pocket. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, it is kind of weird. Was it was it a little hard getting Baratheons as the first one? Because out of all of them, like you could just show like a sample list, but Baratheons are just like, it's kind of two things in one. Baratheons were a bit of a unique struggle here when it came to what we wanted to show compared to actually most any other faction we could have chosen. So I was like, oh, it's great. <laughs> they're, they, they're the first ones we're showing because they won the poll. Well, we... Mm, dang. Uh, because in this case, it's it's a twofold thing. One, they are two sub-factions in one. So, you know, you've got to play favorites here. Do we show Renly? Do we show Stannis? Because initially, I was going to just make an army list and go like, here's what we're going to discuss. But that kind of became a problem with Baratheons because it's like, oh, we're choosing Renly or Stannis. In addition to that, because they are still a newer faction, uh, most of their loyalty stuff is just not out yet. It's going to be coming out in the next few months, the next quarter, along with the card packs and everything. And so it became like, oh, we've shown a lot of their kind of generic stuff that they can both take. So we're either going to kind of repeat showing that. And that's that was kind of the options like, oh, that seems kind of lame. So here we decided to go hey, here's two commanders, here's their cards, here's all their tactics cards. But like next, you know, moving forward, when we pick our next faction that we're going to show, it might not be the same formatting. You know, we might just go like, hey, here's a sample army list with some units that you guys haven't seen and maybe you know, one commander and an NCU and stuff like that. But uh, I have a feeling that people, of course, are going to want to see the tactics cards for all the factions moving yeah, forward like that. I, I feel like so. now that we've shown that once, we can't not show it because then like that faction is just <laughs> going to riot in the streets and you know uh come and burn down the uh on the table gaming podcast oh HQ. gosh <laughs> so you're I, right I, it's a it's a it's highly flammable so we'll see it's the beard <laughs> hey so here's a thought um there are a lot of really strong baratheon players there's a lot of strong baratheon painters what i'm gonna do then when i post this article on the on the table gaming facebook page um what if people post some images of their units that they painted up? And before we do our next visions chat, maybe we'll just like quickly look through them and, and maybe there might be one that might catch you or Fabio's eye. And we'll just give a quick shout out to a really cool painted unit of Baratheon troops. Does that sound sure. like something you might be interested in? We can do that. Cause we, we kind of tied that a little bit together as well, because our, um, our marketing guys, like when we put up that poll on Facebook to see which faction was actually going to get selected, well, sorry, we wanted to put up a poll, but apparently Facebook pages, uh, don't allow you to put polls unlike groups and individuals. So that was a bit frustrating. Yeah, I've had that too, where you can you can only do two options and like it won't let you or like limits it now. It's pretty messed up. <laughs> it's, it's a Facebook thing. I but, feel your pain because <laughs> it's like know, the business did, page. Yeah, exactly. Because it's a business page. You can you can't do stuff like that. There's different. They don't want businesses to be able to pull people, just just civilians, apparently. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, everyone's equal. There's someone more I saw equal someone comment about that, and I was like, yeah, no, I know exactly what's going on here. It's ridiculous. Uh, Facebook. You know, uh, as a result of that, you know, we posted up a bunch of the painted uh, units by Big Child. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, in case anyone is unaware, Big Child Creative is the one that uh, sculpts and paints all of the units that we have here uh, with approvals and everything through Dark Sword. Um, but, you know, we can do more stuff like that. And uh, we are debating on how we want to handle the articles moving forward. If we want to just kind of basically do a popularity poll every week and mm-hmm. go, like, OK, here's the remaining options. Here's who we do next. Uh, and then just kind of work our way down. Or if we just, you know, pick whichever one we want to talk about. We're, we're still thinking about that and how we want to handle it. So we'll see. Is there any benefit to having them later? Like, so if you're someone who's like a diehard fan and you're like, I've been waiting for my faction, but your faction is going to be like three or four weeks from now. Are any of the later ones, is there a possibility they might, you know, reveal more or less? Or does it not matter when they come out? I just say it's like, you know, choosing the prom queen. It's just a big popularity contest. <laughs> well, in that case, free folk are uh, throwing their hat back in the ring for next week. Then if there's any polls, I have to say that, like thinking about the different articles and what we would post, the free folk one would probably see a number of units shown because I think Ooh. that is probably the most interesting, interesting design element of the faction. Whereas like, so Baratheons, their tactics cards and the retributive nature of their army in addition with having the Rinley stanley uh, loyalty split, those are all very unique dynamics to talk about. When you talk about the Free Folk, because of the unit diversity and how they the interplay that happens there, that has to be like one of the major topics you talk about. So again, this mm-hmm. is why like the individual faction articles are not going to follow a formatting about right. what we exactly talked about. It's really going to matter on each faction. Absolutely, that makes sense. Well, I look forward to talking with you guys more about that in the future. Thank you so much for coming on and for putting out these articles. It's really great to see these weekly articles. Uh, there's something I think a lot of us are really looking forward to. And uh, so, you know, keep up that good work with that. Yeah, well, thanks again. And we do it for all the community here. So if there's any specific like things that we'd like to see discussed or talked about, and that's not even just related to like tactics, but even hobby aspects, you know, that type of thing, you know, just give us suggestions here on our official Facebook page or anything like that. And we'll, uh, we'll facilitate. So folks, thank you so much. What I'm going to have you do is when you're listening to this episode, head on over to the On the Table Gaming Facebook page. And where this is posted, drop some of your images. And before the next uh, time we record, we'll see if we can have Fabio and Michael take a look. And we'll give a shout out to a Baratheon unit. Or or I guess we could also throw out to characters as well, because Baratheons do have a few uh, hero box items. And uh, we'd love to see your painted stuff. And we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. And in the meantime, we hope you get your miniatures on the table.